Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, where I, your host Mark Decano, talk to those who would know about what comedy is. Every day I'm grateful for the ability and opportunity to laugh and to those who create those opportunities. But does comedy mean the same to me as it does to them? In these interviews, I hope to find out. I love talking to comedians about comedy, and if you like listening to what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, review, rate and share the podcast. My guest this episode has been doing stand-up comedy for going on six years, but listeners may already be familiar with his work creating promotional campaigns for TV shows such as Hypothetical, Big Zoo's Big Eats, Judge Romesh, Meet the Richardsons, and many more. All that, and he's got a dog. It's stand-up comedian Martin Graham. Hello. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, man? Yeah, good. Good. Just uh, sitting on the couch with my dog. So, I mean, yeah, should we dive in? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. People listening to this might know you as a stand-up comedian, but what they might not know is that they will have heard your works many times before because, of course, you create um, promo movies as well. So I'll have seen your work on Dave many times. So I need to ask you about that. But first and foremost, what are you to you? Are you a comedian? Are you a writer? Are you a director? Um. I, I guess um, I am all of those things. I'm just someone who wants to make comedy. Um, I just want to achieve funny. Uh, that's kind of all I'm ever trying to do, whether that's through writing a promo script or directing a shoot and like thinking how that works visually and how you can make funny out of that and or whether that's stand-up. I'm just a big fan of comedy and I just... Mm. Um, I I love creating stuff. I think I am most happy when I'm working hard to sort of when I'm creating something that I think might be something that I could, you know, be proud of or be happy to have made. I think that's when I feel the most uh, sort of satisfied. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, I just I'm just somebody who loves making stuff, I think is yeah. the, the answer to that one and just uh, someone who is just trying to achieve funny that's all it's, <laughs> and a lot of the time a lot of the time I fail to achieve that but I'm just always <laughs> oh that's all I'm sort of working for I guess yeah uh, or like yeah what came first what was your your route in um my route into stand up or my route into to, to comedy the day job did, did, <laughs> to comedy. did the day job yeah. come first or <laughs> what, what were your aspirations when you started out um so the day job came first but not at dave um day i only joined dave after i'd started doing comedy and sort of that was the specialized route that i was taking i made promos for espn first then Mm -hmm. channel five then amc and um and then ultimately ended up at dave as somebody who loves comedy and Mm. uh sort of has that passion um so yeah the the day job came first I moved to London in about 2011 to pursue the day job Mm. and I didn't start stand-up I thought about starting stand-up my whole life as I'm sure most people who end up starting stand it wasn't like an (laughs) overnight decision it's it's Mm. one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't start because I, I I remember when I was 18 maybe there was a comedy course at the city of glasgow college i think it was and i don't know how i saw it advertised or something and um 
and I, I signed up for it and it was going to be like night classes for a few weeks or something. It was hosted or it was taught by a, a successful comedian who mm -hmm. early 2000s, this would have been um, about 2005, maybe. And yeah. uh, and I was all booked up and signed up for it. But then the comedian couldn't do it in the end. So it got cancelled. And that was when I was 18 and I didn't start until I was 29. So from 18 till 29, <laughs> it had been something that I was like, oh, I'd like to give that a go sometime. But yeah, I I had I never um I wish I'd started earlier. I never uh, thought it was something I could do. I would watch stand up and I would be like, wow, those people think differently from how I think I couldn't do that. I'm not capable of doing that. And what I didn't know then, but know now is just that I'd never tried to do it like anyone can do it you you know start you're just telling your story that's you, you know in a way that you can I don't know I, I guess I'll come on to that maybe in the what is comedy in a nutshell but it's <laughs> um it, it's something that like you anyone can do stand-up if you work at it it's anyone can play guitar if you work at it do you know what I mean it's yeah it's just something that you have to put the time in to learn how to do and I would watch stand up and think I could never be, I'm just not capable of doing that. But that was just because I had never, I just assumed that because I had never tried to do it. And then right. when I tried to do it, I, I, it, I sort of discovered it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And, um, and then, yeah. And now here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're, if you're making uh, these promos, these, these videos, because you're you're writing them and you're directing them, how, how do you differentiate between being the the creator and being the audience member who's ultimately going to be watching it? Are you able to to see it as an audience member? Um, I suppose so. Yeah, I think the I guess the convenient thing about working on Dave is that their target audience is is me. I'm firmly in uh, sort of like what is it, twenty five to forty four year old fans of comedy or thereabouts, um, is generally the 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 audience that dave's marketing is trying to reach yeah um so i already have the advantage of being one of those people um mm. and so i i try and write kind of what i think would be funny sometimes it's handy because you you're working with someone who has quite a strong comedic voice that you can write in like John Richardson, I've I've done a lot of mm. shoots with, and um, Ramesh Ranganathan as well. And you kind of can write in there. They have like quite a obvious persona that you can write in, and you know what their attitude towards certain things would be. And and mm. I always get a a brief from marketing, a sort of core thought that I would align any ideas with. Yeah. So it's kind of then I can have a bit of fun with how does the talent. Um, think how did they respond to that core thought line and yeah. what would be the kind of funny interplay there with that if that makes yeah. sense yeah um and it yeah it's just uh i guess it's i've always got because it's not it's not like i'm just writing comedy for fun I, it is it's a uh, what do they call it it's like commercial art do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not just doing art. I'm not going like, oh, I've got James Acaster for a day. I can do whatever I want. It has to be around their content. Right. Uh, around, yeah. around, it, it has to, um, you know, the main thing the audiences have to get from it is that this series starts on this date. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's great. I can have fun and I can come up with silly ideas and write silly lines in a script, but 
the the most important thing is that it has to explain what the show is. So a lot of the stuff that I've done quite frustratingly starts off with, hello, I'm name and my new show is, (laughs) and it's kind of, it's, but it's like trying to do that in a, in a, as creative a way as possible, I guess is, is the fun part and sort of, yeah, trying to keep the laughs up or get some laughs in, but yeah. Yeah. I suppose if it was me, from my point, my perspective, just because there's the the names of these people that you, I mean, you've mentioned John Richardson, and I know you've mm-hmm. obviously you've done promos for the like uh, Sarah Pascoe and Greg Davies and these people. Yeah, yeah. You just sort of go, oh yeah, I'll write this and it will all be great. And then you get in the room and you go, hey, hang on a minute, that's that's Greg Davies. Or do you have go from the other side and go, you know, I'm going to make Greg Davies bark like a dog today? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, there is very um. Like there was one moment where I was, I did one with Ramesh where mm. it was, it was for judge Ramesh and it was about how he didn't have any legal qualifications. Yes. Um, <laughs> he was on set and we were, we were shooting him. Uh, and the script, the idea was that it was an interplay between him and the voiceover, but obviously the voiceover artist wasn't there on the day. It was me on the day shouting the voiceover's lines at him. So I remember there was what, like there was one take where I just shouted, I think like, I was like, can we just keep going over and over and you, and you know, you, you can say whatever you want in response. And so I would be like, oh, he knows nothing about the law. <laughs> and he's like, all right, mate. <laughs> like, and it, it's like, I was like, this is a, just, just such a silly moment where I'm just shouting at Ramesh Ranganathan from across the room. He knows nothing about the law <laughs> or whatever the line the lines were. And he was just uh, like improvising responses to it. So that, that was quite a, because he was like, he was very good at being in character at the, he's getting annoyed at this yeah. voiceover. But I was like, I don't want to, I don't know where the line is where he's like, all right, mate, that's enough. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, generally, um, I think that's the only time that I've been, I've been like, this is a bit of a crazy request. Uh <laughs> But no, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's so much fun being able to work with with people like like obviously Ramesh, Sarah Pasco, James Acaster. Yeah. I refer to them all as my friends from work. <laughs> um, I mean, it must be it, it must be interesting because yeah. obviously you're writing these pieces, you're, and mm-hmm. then you're in the room with these comic minds, and like you say there, I mean, you, you've got Ramesh, you know riffing against the voiceover lines. How much of it do you script, and how much yeah. do you just let them? play around with it 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 all has to be fully scripted before we can take the idea to them so so i i will i have to give a full script otherwise their agent won't put the idea forward to them to see if they'll do it kind of thing so that it's the the suggestion for their availability has to come with a fully finished script but i'll always on the day and when i send the scripts to them it always comes with a but please reword it um, to how you would talk or to like if you think there's a better joke in there or something but they very rarely do that um so like the Ramesh one was it all had a script written um but then there was that take yeah. that I talked about where we just let him improvise different uh lines to respond yeah. to the voiceover uh so sometimes we'll do that but a lot of the time um they're not the, the talent aren't comfortable doing that generally Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ramesh is the only one that I've done that with. 
maybe there's oh no no the Richardsons uh, John Richardson yeah. and Lucy Beaumont um, I did a whole shoot with them that they improvised in fact I've done two whole shoots with them that they've they've improvised and they're tremendous and they're so much fun they have such a great dynamic and they just you you can yeah we still had to send them shoots yeah. on the day but we just sat down and pointed the cameras at them and they were hilarious <laughs> and fantastic so yeah. when you finally decided i'm going to get into stand-up comedy what what was the the catalyst what was the thing that took you to the stage um well i did i did one of angel comedies courses yep. uh with francis foster in like february 2017 my first gig was april 2017 so it was probably a couple of months before that i did this sort of five-week course mm-hmm. um with francis um and i just I think it was probably just I didn't really have anything else going on. I think I just was, I, I'd always wanted to do it and I'd kind of gone, I saw that they were doing a course because I've always loved angel comedy. That's kind of where I first started going regularly to watch comedy was at the Camden mm-hmm. Head uh, in like 20, oh God, like 2014, 15. It was like the place that anytime I had friends down from home, mm-hmm for the weekend or whatever they'd be like oh what should we do and I'd be like oh I know this great comedy place and I'd take them there and then the Bill Murray opened it must have been like 2016 maybe and um and then I so like I was always that was my place I was always lurking around (laughs) there and so I was on the mailing list and they they sent out that they had a course going and I remember I didn't I, I thought about it for weeks I'd seen that it was coming up on this date I thought about it for weeks and then it got to like the date that the course was starting it was in my mind like I could go with that tonight I hadn't signed up or anything I was like I could just do that I could just like pay whatever it was 150 quid and just go with that tonight and just do five weeks of of comedy and and then at like I, don't, I remember sitting at my desk at work at like four or five p.m that day just like oh fuck it and just <laughs> hit pay and went and yeah. turned up to that and uh and it changed my life completely. Like my whole, like everything, like my, I met my partner through picking on her in an audience. Um, and then we have a child. Um, like there's, that's commitment. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, I, yeah, it's, that's a, it's a lot, a long bit of crowd work that I'm doing. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's changed. Yeah. Everything about my life. Like a lot of my friends are comedians. Um, a lot of, well, just, well, I guess my job, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have, I don't certainly don't think I would have gotten a job at Dave if I, if I didn't have that string to my bow, because Mm. they asked me about that in the interview. So I think it was, I think just that that was an interest that I had was quite important to them. And, uh, and it's, it's helped me with my job as well, because I can write, I know what a joke is uh, from spending so much time obsessing over, (laughs) uh, obsessing over comedy and how to write material and um and and what material is and why something's funny and all of that kind of thing so um so so yeah that was how I got started I did Francis's course at Angel and um and then I didn't do it often from there like I didn't get into right way because as well I started off as a kind of one-liner comedian as Mm -hmm. well um which I is what I don't know that like what I was writing was so shit um <laughs> it, it was on it was like I've listened back to the audio recordings of my first gigs and 
god it's embarrassing like i had friends come to those (laughs) it's that's like it's humiliating in retrospect that um that i brought friends along to watch me say that material um but I, I started off as um, doing one like because when I started, I think I really loved Mitch Hedberg. He was a big right. influence on like the kind of comedy I wanted to do because it was like one liners, but it wasn't punny one liners. It was like like observations that like, yeah, like what's the like rice is great for when you're hungry and you want to eat 2000 or something. Yeah. And um, <laughs> like like that kind of thing. And that was what I, what I wanted to to write at first and I did that and I remember in the course we all um had to go up and like in one of the weeks like maybe the second week we all had to go up and do some material in front of everyone it was the first time that most of us had ever done that mm. and um and I remember I did like a string of one-liners and everyone in the room well I think Francis was like you you want to be a one-liner comedian and it just kind of I was like all oh, right is there like a kind of um um i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but that that's kind of not 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 the dream for everyone i I kind (laughs) of i was surprised by how negatively it was received by the others in the room um right that i was doing one-liners uh because no one everyone else was kind of storytelling Hmm. and obviously i think one-liners have kind of they're kind of drifting into the past there's not many one-liner comedians anymore but uh that was what I did at first um but it wasn't it wasn't right for me um doing like that kind of structure I don't think and um and I just wasn't good at I, I wasn't good at anything because I only <laughs> just started and um so yeah I, I I after that um course I started I started forcing myself to go up on stage yeah. I didn't enjoy it at all at first the actual comedy part of it I enjoyed this new kind of world that I discovered and I enjoyed all of the learning about where the nights are and who you contact for the nights. And, hmm. uh, but I, I hated doing the comedy. I just <laughs> felt so <laughs> awkward and, um, I felt really self-conscious about the fact that I even did it. I kind of, I never felt like I was funny either. So I, I, I kind of kept doing it cause I was stubborn and I, sort of really wanted to learn how to do it but I didn't enjoy being on stage at all Mm. um and I probably only did well I did the King Gong in January 18 which was about nine months after the course right and that was my 28th gig so I'd only done about 20 gigs maybe in in the year I did the course which isn't many for a comic yeah and I didn't fall in love with it until probably 2019 so I kind of, oh no, no, 2018, I had some great moments, actually. I enjoyed 2018, maybe mid 2018, I started kind of feeling like I can see how I'm improving at this. Yeah. And that's quite satisfying. Well, you mentioned them doing the King Gong and then in terms of competitions for 2018, you started to be semi-finalist, you finalist doing um, So You Think You're Funny, you did the Leicester Square New Comedian of, of the Year. So regardless of how you pictured yourself as a comedian obviously you, yeah. other people were telling you were funny <laughs> yeah yeah no totally that was um I guess like yeah because the so you think you're funny thing was great I really enjoyed getting to that semi-final but then the annoying thing was the the heat was in London and that went really well that was at the backyard in London hmm. then I went up to Edinburgh for the semi-final and all of my school friends came because it was the first time I'd done a gig in Edinburgh and then 
I thought I'd had a dreadful gig that I obviously didn't get through to the final. Mm. Um, and I thought I'd had an awful gig. And then it was compounded by the fact that my friends had come to see me for the first time. And sort of like, oh, Martin's trying comedy now. Let's go see how shit he is at it. <laughs> and, and then I, I felt like I'd really let everyone down by not being good and, and not, I don't know. I, I think I felt like when I came off stage, I'd had a bad set and then compounded by the fact that I didn't get into the final. Mm. I just thought, Oh God, I'm, I'm a joke to my friends. Like what would they, what must they be saying mm. about that fiasco when I'm not around? Um, and so, but, but yeah, like, I guess I, I never felt like I was a real comedian for a long time. I felt like I'd kind of, um, it's like the imposter syndrome thing. Mm. Like I, I, it was, I think Patrick Spicer, I was talking to once and he said this sort of uh, thought and I'm, I'm probably butchering what he meant by it, but he was like, but you are a comedian. Like you've done this so many times. Mm. You like, you do comedy regularly you undeniably are a comedian yeah and yeah even at that point I was I was kind of like I'm not kind of always struggled with feeling like I'm not as um interesting or witty as the other people around me but yeah but but now I mean yeah fast forward to sort of 2019 I was really enjoying it 2020 I was really enjoying I did the, all the stand clubs in 2020 in mm-hmm. March 2020 like the, the first to third of March, yeah. I was going around spreading COVID uh, <laughs> up and down the country doing the, the stand clubs. And that was amazing. I did the stand clubs at the start of March. And then I had like, oh, I had my first 10 spot at the on a Saturday night at the Bill Murray booked for July, 2020. Yeah. And then obviously none of that happened and all that momentum just completely went and yeah. And then, yeah, it was was stuck in my house for a long time, uh, as we all were. Yeah. But, um, it, uh, yeah, it it took a while to get going. But, yeah, by 20, end of 2018, 19, mm. I, was, uh, I was really into the swing of things. And Yeah. So when, when that's happened now, you've, you get to 2020, you finally mm. found your comedy legs. Yeah. Then what happens? What's, how do you get through a pandemic? I... I enjoyed the break of not because I had been gigging three, four nights a week. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was the kind of only way I knew how to live my life up until that. Well, from the last two years, I was like, this is a thing that I have to do now. And when you're in comedy, you kind of feel like you have to keep, like you can't turn down gigs, especially ones at good places that you, you think could lead to progression. And mm. you kind of get um, really sort of, tunnel vision about how you kind of have to you have to if, if someone offers you something you have to take it and yeah. and then it's like you have to take the new material dates to strengthen your sets if you're doing competitions or if you're trying to build material you've always got to be churning out to try and find something new um that you can create or that you can hone so when 2020 came along mm. yeah i enjoyed the break i thought i was going to be more productive than I was in the end. I thought like, oh, mm. pandemic, that would be a good chance for me to sit and write an hour. And <laughs> that's just not how not how things work. Yeah. Uh, I I did two Zoom gigs over the whole pandemic. Oh. One was an angel comedy one, yeah. uh, which I loved. That that one was excellent. It was uh, 
they had like the right amount of audience unmuted. So you got some laughter back at you. Yeah. I chose to stand up when I did it, which I think <laughs> like made me look a lot more keen than everyone else. Cause it's quite clear that I was standing, but I just thought I'm always standing when I do gigs. So I thought I'll, I'll try and stand. Um, <laughs> and so that was great. That felt, that gave me the buzz that, that I got from, from doing real standup. Um, and then I, I did a corporate gig. I don't remember anything about them, but I didn't realize that my Wi-Fi was cutting off quite regularly throughout my set. Oh, right. And so I died on my arse for, for many reasons, but one of which <laughs> was that they didn't hear what I was saying a lot of the time. And I was, I was oblivious because, oh no, do you know, it was ran by, it was ran by my friend Marco, who's Italian. And he had a guy, the guy who set up all of the Zoom tech was Italian and he was in Italy and I don't think he spoke English. <laughs> so I was getting these messages in block caps with exclamation marks in Italian <laughs> through the chat, like privately to me <laughs> while I was doing the set. And I was like, should I reference the, like, this was right at the end. This was at maybe April, 2021. Hmm. And so I was so uncomfortable gigging it, like I hadn't been gigging regularly. Yeah. I was just racing through my material as much as I could. <laughs> and I was getting these these little messages in Italian. And I was too scared <laughs> to kind of derail my set and go, I'm getting weird messages in Italian here. So I, I just ignored them <laughs> and carried on and did, I think it was, I think it was 16 minutes I did, uh, completely unaware that I was cutting out half the time. Um because because you don't know do you <laughs> that you're cutting out uh so yeah that was a mess and then then it took me a while to get back into it mm. yeah I feel like I've only just gotten back to being able to do a sort of 20 minute set um but yeah I also had it had a kid um yeah started this year so that's took a few months off for that and and don't get out so much at the moment you said it was, you know, quite different, but how, how was it getting back onto a stage was after the pandemic? Was it like getting onto the stage again for the first time because it was so different or, you know, how quickly do you get back into the swing of where you were in, in 2019? It's um, the kind of uh, jarring thing for me was that I didn't want to do any of the material that I was doing pre 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, but I had to because it's the only stuff that you know works. So I'm there. And even, I think it's all, well, all of the sort of um, bits are gone now. I still use the same opening line just because I feel like it's a crutch that I need. Um, but I, all of the bits that I did, I think are finally gone now, or at least I don't need them. I can use them if I have to. But um, the thing that I didn't like about that was I kind of, feel like stuff that I wrote in 2018 doesn't fit me at all anymore right. as a stand-up or as like as a person, I guess. Um, and, and it's quite jarring, I think, when like, I don't know, you, I think you saw me in, in Hammersmith, I did a bit about um, mm. the pull-out method, yeah. which, um, <laughs> which suited me in 2018 maybe, or maybe suits a different audience from the Hammersmith gig that <laughs> yeah. we were at. Um, but it's uh, when I, after like it, it fell completely flat and, and, mm -hmm. and I'd been doing all right up until that point And it just went like, because it was jarring. It was, it was gross and it wasn't, 
it was an overshare and it wasn't it wasn't right for the character that I had built up to that audience that I presented for the sort of 15 minutes prior to starting that bit to that mm. audience and then they're like what the fuck <laughs> like, um and it's like that so that that bit I've kind of learned just doesn't fit me anymore like that night I I kind of took a note in my phone so write up about every gig and little observations about how, how it went and mm -hmm wrote down like that bit just doesn't fit me anymore um and so there's stuff like that like I had loads of stuff in 2018 about living in house shares and yeah. never being able to afford a car and stuff like that <laughs> and um and like and obviously I'm now shackled down with a family so I can't I can't be like oh my flatmates are wankers and then the next lane be like oh, I've got a daughter because then it's like oh, it's, do you know what I mean like it's yeah kind of like two different lives now so I can't dip back into the me yeah. that lived in a flat share, even if I've got a really good bet about flatmates being wankers. Yeah. Not that I ever had any flatmates that were wankers, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, I guess it's the kind and it's the kind of attitude I had when in 2018 out know, things, I guess, weren't going well for me. And I was angry. Like my material came from like, oh, this is annoying. Uh, do you know what I mean? And now it's more like now what I write is more like sort of observations about my life and stories from my life where I can make fun of myself a little bit um I, I definitely haven't written a bit in a while where I've gone uh, I've found something that I'm annoyed about and right. pretended to be annoyed on stage <laughs> which is such a hard thing to put on night after night like, oh what's this how so many folk not got layers like um, <laughs> to because i i have a bit about smokers not having lighters and every time i did it i had to be like i'm so angry about these smokers that don't have a lighter and i'm like i'm not angry at all like <laughs> you know what i mean i've just got to but like i had i committed to having to do having to approach the bit like that we mentioned a couple of the competitions that you were in um, mm. Obviously, you've done a bunch more. I've mentioned a couple, but also you did. You won Beat the Blackout. You were semi-finalist at Two North Downs New Act in 21. How are you in competitions? Do you do you enjoy that? Does it put enough pressure on you to ramp up the comedy, or you, you know, or do you just go into it with dread? What's your story there? Um, I've never gone into one thinking I could win this competition. Uh, so it's always been a case of just try and get as far as I can. Yeah, uh, try and hoodwink the judges to think <laughs> that I can progress one more stage. Uh, so it's always been that they're always fun to do. Like it's always a great gig, a competition. Mm. Um, there's the audience are always up for it. The acts are always really good. It's always a good night of comedy that you're playing a part in. So yeah. um, from that sort of point of view, it's just a fun night to, to take part in. And then if mm. you progress, then it's a, a little buzz. Yeah. But I've never, I've never entered a competition that I thought I could be the winner of. I've just, sort of um done it because i don't know why i enter them um just because everyone else enters them i guess yeah. and 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 it's it's a good gig and i suppose it is like a a challenge to work towards because you want to bring a really good set to that competition mm. so it gives you a, a real kick up the arse to try and get something together that that works yeah um but yeah, I, I, the only one that I've been in the final of was the Max Turner one, the Cavendish Arms competition, mm -hmm. um, or I guess like the the blackout in the King Gong. I've I've won the blackout and I've been in 
the Knights final of the King Kong, but they're not like a sort of multiple heat competition. Right. The, the only multiple heat kind of one is is the Cavendish Arms, and that was such a great night. That final, it was Bemi that won, um, who's tremendous mm-hmm. uh, and was absolutely deservedly the winner of that. Um, but just I I couldn't have done any better in my set that night than I did. It was such a such a fun night. Everything landed. The audience were so up for it. And so that in itself was a fun experience. And mm. I don't think I think I don't think I was bothered that I didn't place or anything. I think I was fine with that. I just had a really fun gig. And that was that was what mattered. Um mm. Yeah, everyone who who placed and who won did so deservedly. So yeah. no complaints. When you're talking about, uh, you said, "Oh, I don't go into the competition thinking that I can win." Mm. Do you think I have? I may not win the competition, but I have to have an, a, a deserving, an award-winning set. Or can I, or are you trying to write all new material? Or are you picking from past successes? I, or I think um, I I'm just trying to write the strongest. So if it's a five-minute set or seven minutes i'm just trying to write the strongest five or seven minutes that i can i get very tired of doing old material so ideally i wouldn't want anything that i've done in a previous competition with like if i were to enter uh two north down i didn't enter anything this year but if i were if i were to have entered two north down this year having got to the semi-finals last year i wouldn't even consider just going up and doing the same set Right. Uh, that I did last year, because what would be the point in that? Um, and and also, I wouldn't want them to think that I'm just sort of shoveling out the same five minutes year after year. Mm. Uh, so that yeah, it would be it would be different. I think every year I've I've had a different set in any competition that I've done from the previous year. Mm. Um, and so yeah, it would be about turning around the strongest five minutes that I can hmm. and yeah I have I definitely have before left out bits the sort of strongest minute that I have wasn't in my two north down set because it just didn't fit with the the I think it was five the five minutes yeah um and that I did in that set so yeah I would I would bend that five minutes and I would have another one but yeah I didn't yeah. enter anything this year um, but yeah, no, I, I do. I enjoy them. I also worry I'm not really a new act anymore. I kind of think maybe that ship has sailed for me uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I started in 2017 as much discussed because what's like usually the limit's sort of four or five years, which we're at now. Hmm. And so, yeah, I just don't think, I don't know. I think I've, I've missed the, well, the new act ship, ship has sailed, but <laughs> I, I did all, I've got a decent, amount of accolades from competitions and things yeah i'm all right with it i'm all right with not doing them anymore i might do the not so new act of the year sometime or one of those ones <laughs> but do you are you a sit-down writer or are you someone who just thinks of a thing and makes a note uh, how does it how's your process in that regard yeah yeah it's it's both it's um so i've got notes i've got always uh phone notes so every month i start a new one comedy September 2022 mm-hmm. and then any thoughts that come to me and sometimes they come just while I'm asleep and they're st- and they don't make sense but like I'll literally write <laughs> everything down that I think of that could possibly work mm-hmm. uh as a bit or as or not even just as a bit just any funny thought that I've had um 
like there's a lot of things that because I've got lists I've been taking these notes for years and I've had the same phone for years and so I can I've got every month since like 2018 or something hmm. where every silly thought I've had is in there and what I find quite useful now is going back to the 2018 observations and there's stuff that I back then couldn't make work but now I have a tiny bit more of a skill set and I kind of know a little bit more about um crafting so yeah I go back to the the notes that I wrote in 2018 yeah now with the eyes that I've got now and the skill set the slightly more advanced skill set that I've got now and I, I I can see what I meant by that right and how now I would turn that into a bit or even if it's just an observation I now know how to go well this thing is like this thing um and and make that work so uh so yeah I, I take notes on my phone but I also sit down and write a lot uh I do that two or three times a week where I just sit with my laptop and I have comedy writing September 2020 word 2022 word documents and I'll just uh, sometimes it's just free writing sometimes it um I'll kind of write sort of like a diary yeah. about something that's happened recently or what's been going on today. And quite often things come out of that as well. Um, and sometimes I'll dip into my phone notes and I'll take like the line that's in my phone notes and try and expand it in, mm -hmm. in words. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I do that quite a lot. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the stuff that I type is just the worst it's like it would never remotely work um <laughs> you know it's yeah it's kind of like i think the the trick is to not be afraid of how shit what you're writing is yeah uh this is something that i think dan Harmon, who who created like community and rick and morty he um he talks about writing and that just just write no like just be comfortable with the fact that no one's ever going to see this it's it doesn't have to be good it doesn't have to like never imagine any pair of eyes from anyone else looking at what you're writing just write yeah because because it it's hard to just lose yourself like lose any sort of um sort of consciousness about what you're writing like oh god what if my partner sees this one day or what if my mom and dad see this like, you know what i mean it's like you just have to write and know that no one else is going to see it yeah and and then you're kind of more open to the ideas coming and just writing you you come out with stuff quite often mm. um in the end and and i think a lot of the best like some of the ideas some of the stuff i do is stuff that um i've just tried on stage and it's worked yeah but I'd say probably 60% of it has come from just sitting down and typing on Word and, and then stumbling upon a thought that I've typed out that I didn't really ever think about being funny before and then expanding right. on that. Um, have you developed any particular philosophies or, or, or lessons learned that you take forward from show to show saying, I must do this or I must not do this? yeah oh totally so many <laughs> when when i started i used to do this all the time on stage after every joke i would just go like that i used to look at the just floor for the benefit as of was... the audio could you describe <laughs> oh, what you just did <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was rubbing my goatee i would just stand and rub my goatee like a deep thinker uh for a lot for uh after every punchline i would stand and do that 
so I go on stage, there are a sort of checklist of things that I make sure I do it at the start of every gig. Mm. I have to plant my feet on the ground. Um, I have to put this arm's holding the mic, but I have to, sorry, the right arm's holding the mic. I have to put my left arm straight down my side because it feels, I wonder if it's like a defensive thing, but for a long time, this arm stayed bent. Right. Uh, while the other arm held the microphone and as soon as I one day just let it straighten down by my side I looked and felt more natural right uh and so but it feels unnatural to do it feels like I have to consciously go right put this arm straight um I have to plant my feet because I'll dance about if I don't plant my feet a lot of actors say that their characters come from their feet as well and I think when I plant my feet down and if I need to express anything I do it just by bending my knees I kind of feel funnier or 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 more confident if I yeah I feel far more confident if I have my feet planted down for some reason it's just a little thing that goes through my head I guess but that's that's um the the feet planted and the arm straight are two things that as I'm in the first minute of any set I'm like there's at some point in my head I'm like right those things um in terms of other sort of routines um that i have pre going up i always like to be standing up long before i go on stage i don't know what effect that has i think that's just a um just something in my head um yeah i don't know what else what else there is i love i like being loose if i can i always like to um throw in some kind of observation about the room mm-hmm. If uh, if it's like if it's a fancy wine bar that I'm you know a, a Scottish guy and then I'll I reference that like in walking yeah I feel like that loosens me up I don't know I, one another thing that I'm always conscious of is that the audience are in whatever state the performer is in right and if if you're having fun then generally they're having fun mm. and the only reason like if you're dying on your arse, but you're having fun dying on your arse, that's fine. That like, <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to look tragic if you kind of don't seem phased by the fact you're dying on your arse or if you're having a hard time. Yeah. But if you're dying on your arse and you're going, oh, I got more for that last night or whatever the, yeah. the thing you say is, or referencing the fact that a joke bombed, then it looks like it's thrown you and it looks like you're not enjoying yourself. And if you're not enjoying yourself, yeah. then the audience is never going to enjoy themselves. So hmm. recently I've started thinking kind of just try and have fun yeah. is uh, is one of the main, well, I mean, it's probably the most important thing about it because like I say, yeah, if you're having fun, they're having fun and you, yeah. they're not going to watch someone who's having, they're not going to, no one's going to enjoy watching someone who's having a genuinely horrible time. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> you get, you get acts that pretend they're having a horrible time, but they're having fun doing that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, like, I think if you're up there and your stuff's bombing and you're getting upset about it, then it's only going to make everyone uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the word character a minute ago, and you talk about these physical attributes that you put to yourself going onto the stage. Hmm. Is these things that, Martin Graham comedian does. That's not Martin Graham, the man on the couch waiting to go oh. on stage. Is this a character that you're playing? This man, he stands with this. He doesn't move his feet. Him on the stage. I do. He doesn't. Is that what it's like? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 
Um, yeah, the real me is not not entertaining. No one would buy a <laughs> ticket to see the real me talk. Um, my 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 stand up persona, I suppose, is is a much more confident version of me. I think. Um, I, I think I took a long time to get there. I certainly in the first year or two was awkward and nervous and and you feel that coming back from the audience. So probably mm. through knowing that the audience will will respond to whatever state I'm in, mm. I became more brave and confident and and it was pro I, like now I'm I don't get at all nervous before going on stage. I'm before I go on stage, I'm excited about just let me on kind of thing. Mm. Uh and there's no no nerves whatsoever and i'm kind of not it can go however it goes and i'm not going to care which is um which it took a long time to get to <laughs> uh but no but the difference between i guess me as a stand-up and me as a person is uh i'm just not i'm oh, well i'm definitely not the person that's cracking jokes i don't think i'm not the funniest of, of my friends or the funniest person I, I suppose I probably uh, veer towards the sort of shy side, sort of socially. Mm. Um, so that's yeah. So it's very different. Mm. I'm more. I'm more who I wish I could be socially on stage. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> how how far does that separation between your stage persona and yourself um, allow you to enjoy comedy? in and of itself without dissecting what the comedian's doing um like how, how much does the is that if you're on a mixed bill and you've got other comedians performing mm. are you is your mindset well comedian me is on in a minute audience me watching them am i looking for the punchline am i working out what oh that's clever what they've done oh, yeah. or do you just absorb the entertainment and let yourself laugh oh no i'm very very analytical uh when i watch comedy I, I I am trying to yeah, and even on like Instagram, if I'm watching someone's reels, I'll I'll be racing to try and get to the punchline before they say it. <laughs> I'll kind of like what what would be the punchline of this? Yeah. Um, and then I've always a little bit when I get it, um, because you can kind of you notice patterns and you notice uh through setups where the idea is going, and you always know what the subversion. We don't always know, but like quite often you can guess what the subversion is going to be on the punchline. Mm. And so I'm I'm very much in in the analytical mindset of like, and and then if something works, like why did it work? What what sort of sort of a, a joke is just two converging ideas, two or more converging ideas mm. is what any joke is just two or more converging ideas. So I'll always look at things and then go, what were the two converging ideas on that? What, what about that thing was similar to that thing that made the joke? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I definitely watch as a nerd <laughs> um, <laughs> rather than as, rather than as someone who just switches off and, uh, and, and enjoys it. Yeah. But is, are, 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 cause you watch a lot of comedy, don't you? Yeah. Are you sort of in that? Do, well, do you watch things trying to be a step ahead of the punchline? Um, sometimes I do. And then I kind of catch myself doing it and tell myself to stop <laughs> doing that and just chill out. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I have I've, I get those moments where I go, I know, I know what they're going to say next. I know what they, yeah, I know yeah, where yeah, this is definitely. going. And, and also I love, I love to see um, 
alternative comedy like um like tony law i absolutely love tony law and i never have a clue what he's going to say next and yeah. i i love that because <laughs> yeah, it's chaos yeah. the man's insane and i adore him he's fantastic yeah yeah no i get i i do it i do it as well with sitcoms um yeah or with anything, I if anything happens in a script of something, it has to be referenced later. Is kind of what I've um, what I've found. Yeah. Like if you cut to, I don't know, if you're watching the main character and uh, anything, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like <laughs> things always have to tie back up. There's, yeah. there's never loose ends. So you always see exactly things yeah. come. I'm trying to think of anything that I've well, it's the same with like in the in the detective stories. It's the same. It's like walk past and they go, oh look, there's a shoe there. And you go, well, that's going to come back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> Why point that out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. No, it's totally when you it and it ruins it ruins your enjoyment of of any entertainment when you start yeah. when you kind of watch it as like uh, well they've only put that there because they're going to come back to it. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right well we've talked about your being somewhat self-deprecating we've talked about the phrase die on stage came up a lot so tell me about your best moment what's (laughs) what's so far has been your defining instant on stage oh one instant on stage um uh i've trying to think of what the kind of biggest high has do you know what it's probably something like it's probably something really that to the to an outsider wouldn't look like that much. Like it was, there was one, uh, an open mic night in Surbiton and this was middle of 2021. It was a whole lot of comedy that, yeah. that put on the night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, um, it was at the castle, which is just a little pub yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. that has an open, yeah, yeah, it's got an open mic night. And, there were they have regulars that go to this gig, yeah. Uh, who, I, who I guess live locally, and and they had a few other sort of normal audience in who weren't acts, and it was a, like it was by no means a packed yeah. uh, room. It, it just had maybe like ten audience, ten real audience who weren't comedians. But I I went up, and I remember this was the first time I'd seen a table of the regulars, none of whom were comedians. Mm. And I was doing my material and they were barely laughing. <laughs> and it it was, that was the first kind of moment where I was like, I've got a skill or I've got, I've crafted this skill hmm. that I can, I can use to make people have a good night. Like I, they, I was watching them and just feeling like they're not going to regret that they came to the comedy tonight. <laughs> they are going to be like, this was a great night. We're having a great time. And and then from that was the first time I felt it, and I've felt it a few more times since. Where I've I've just kind of looked around and sort of felt proud about being able to provide that feeling to people uh, when I'm on stage, like yeah. where I've worked at this craft over the years that I can now give to people, and they definitely in that moment are having a good time mm. and. Because my biggest fear is that people are going to regret coming to a gig because I stank it out, and <laughs> you know, like I and so to to so this is the opposite of that. This is like these people were laughing uncontrollably, yeah. and they're going to be so happy that they chose to spend their night doing this, and I gave them that feeling. Yeah. So it's it's not like a 
it's not like the sort of best gig I've ever had or the biggest achievement I've ever had. It's just one moment where I realized, I think that was the moment where I realized or where I stopped doing it for me and started doing it for audiences, which I think made a big difference because when I started, I wanted, I just wanted to get better at comedy. I wanted to learn how to do comedy. Hmm. Like I was doing it for me to get better and for me to have good gigs yeah. and, and stuff. But from that night onwards, I sort of I felt a shift in that I'm doing it for for you to have a good gig yeah. or for you to have a good night rather than rather than something I'm doing for myself. It's it's a skill that I have that I can use to make people's day a bit better. Yeah. And that that was that that was the first moment that I felt it shift. I did want it. Um, the, my first gig back after having the baby was at the Bill Murray. And I felt it there as well. But I think that was more just because I'd had three or four months off hmm. and I hadn't gigged. And then they were obviously always a great audience. Um, and so I just felt the buzz of I can provide people with this feeling, yeah. which is a mad, a crazy power to have <laughs> that, I, that I don't even really have. Like, I mean, some people, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like I could always uh, give an audience a great night yeah, but that's what I'm working towards, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess. But no, it's 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 definitely very much, and and that do you know what, and, and that night I was in the moment as well. It wasn't, hmm. it was never like oh, you know, in five years I'll be better at this or like do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like yeah. it's like this is what ma- this is all that matters is just this audience right now and me providing this for them. It was never like oh, I might catch a big break or whatever. It was just like. If you just approach every gig as have fun and this is all that matters, Hmm. like just entertaining this audience that's here tonight is all that matters. Yeah. I think you'll do all right. Excellent. Where can we find out about you? Where can we, where are you going to be next? Um, So I've got the 29th of October. I'm on at the Bill Murray or I don't know if it's the, but it's definitely Angel. It's either the Camden Head or the Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on Saturday night there, which is always exciting. Um, And I've got a Friday night at the Camden Head or possibly the Bill Murray, I don't know, on the 4th (laughs) of November. (laughs) So I've got those those coming up, Mm -hmm. which are, they're both with Angel Comedy, it'll say, I'm sure, on the website, um, Mm -hmm. which venue I'm at, maybe it won't. Um, But yeah, I'm at Angel Comedy, 29th October, Mm -hmm. 4th of November. and cool. yeah, I'm doing, I've got Aldershot, I've got Hecklers in Aldershot on the 10th of November, mm-hmm. uh, which is exciting. I've never even been to Hecklers, but I think heckling is encouraged, which is going to, um, it's going to be interesting to find out how I cope with that because I don't think it will be well. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> fantastic um so finally then can you please sum up for me what is comedy in a nutshell yeah so uh i've been thinking about this in the old back burner um (laughs) as we've gone and i think that to me comedy is telling your story and sharing your experiences with people who that might sort of well people who relate to that and people who might get something from that and sort of giving or creating something that strikes a chord in other people. Uh, for me, I would say is that's just about giving people joy and and you know sharing 
um, sharing your story and giving joy. That's, <laughs> that's so lame, isn't it? Um, that's got to sound like a bloody Care Bear. <laughs> um, uh, oh, God. Uh, I, don't, I mean, it's about a lot. That's what it's about to me, but I can yeah. appreciate that that's different from, from what it's about to other people, from what other people it might be about calling something out that you don't agree with and whatnot and and for me at times as a comedian I've felt that way but that's still sharing my experience if I'm calling something out that I don't agree with but I'd say sharing your experience just giving people something joyful fantastic brilliant thanks Mark it was I really enjoyed that I really appreciate you taking part oh, great. thank you so much for that thanks man no thank you very much for asking me to do it thank you cheers